0: If you enjoy these podcasts, check out Enrico Signoretti's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com. They're about data storage and cloud computing, addressing all the topics covered in Voices in Data Storage.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Voices in Data Storage, brought to you by GigaOm. I'm Enrico Signoretti, your host, and today we will talk about... uh, one of the most interesting topics now in the data center, I mean, ARM CPUs. I know uh, everybody thinks, oh, we talked about ARM CPUs several times in the past and it never happened. To help me on this topic, I invited uh, John Guglielker, uh, CTO of Bamboo Systems. He is, uh, um, his company is working on ARM systems, so he will help me to talk a little bit uh, uh, more in detail about why ARM is uh, going to become uh, stronger and stronger in the data center.
0: Hi, John, how are you? Oh, very good, thank you. It's great to be here and hopefully we'll talk around that big question, why ARM in servers?
1: So, yes, in fact, we know very well ARM CPUs. I mean, uh, from the raspberries, this was a very small computer that kids use for uh, for learning uh, how to code. Uh, phones, everything in the in the industry is now um, powered by ARM CPUs. So they they are cheap. The architecture is simple. There are these uh, systems on a chip that makes uh, everything easier for the for the hardware builders. But actually, in the data center, you know. Uh, We've never seen them as, you know, the central CPU of servers, maybe in other devices like switches or um, even uh, storage systems sometimes, but never as uh, a CPU. Why this?
0: Well, maybe I'll just give you a bit of background first in terms of where I'm coming from. So, uh, obviously, I started Bamboo Systems as Kaleo about four years ago, but prior to that, I had actually worked at we worked in ARM for what, nearly 18 years. So I was I, I was a key instrumental in actually uh, designing and delivering the first multi cores. Uh, a lot of the newer technologies that we added in, in in ARM to be able to make the instruction set of ARM actually be able to support the workloads uh, for 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 server applications. So, you know, in essence, I'm talking from a hardware side, but I've also obviously had a lot of uh, effort in, in, in software as well, where I was actually uh, one of the group managers at uh, Microsoft over in Redmond uh, doing Exchange Server. So I've managed to bring a hardware and software view to the question, why ARM servers. So if we, if we look at really, the, there's two sides to it. There's the hardware, the chip, and the architecture around the chip, and then there's the software ecosystem. Now, clearly, if there isn't a piece, of hard, a piece of software that can run on that hardware, then you're not going to see that hardware adopted in, in the end solution. And, you know, in reality, that's been, you know, the, the, the promise of uh, Arm in service for many years that it's needed the ecosystem, you know, going way back to when we were, uh, Arm was working with uh, Cal- Calzada uh, they were an adopter of a processor that I was uh, designing at the time, that there basically wasn't an ecosystem, okay? You know, uh, you know, the operating system had only just adopted multi-cores in that regard, and the distributions hadn't gone mainstream. So in essence, there wasn't any software, and, and obviously Calzada did a great job along with ARM's uh, partners in, in, in terms of uh, the uh, Linux side to, to, to start a fledgling e- ecosystem. So I'll go back to, if I may, the the, the ecosystem story later. But at first, uh, I go back over to the hardware side. Now, obviously, when, when sat in ARM saying we need to support the uh, ARM server uh, market, your customers are really the silicon manufacturers, okay, the guys that build the chips. ARM doesn't actually build chips themselves. They uh, design things that can work for the manufacturer to build a chip, those chip guys then go after OEMs to put them on boards and the board people put them in boxes and the box people take them into channels and the channel people actually start buying servers and deploying them into data centers. So there's actually a very long path and a lot of different technologies to change basically what is fundamentally changing the instruction set of a processor. Now. Building a chip, uh, you have a lot of design choices to make. And uh, the market at the time, and we're talking quite a few years ago, if not a decades, or over a decade ago, people considered a chip to be something that a workstation could deliver and deliver a lot in one space. And they obviously built and followed uh, the incumbents, Intel and AMD at the time primarily, in terms of building a chip or trying to build a chip that could fit in the sockets and the space that you see uh, in the boxes and the circuit boards that people design for traditional servers. Now, at that point, you're basically doing a head-to-head competition with uh, somebody or an architecture that, you know, in essence owns the market. And it's a very difficult competition at that point. If you're being measured on your single-thread performance, you're being measured on are you delivering the power envelope that that design needs and in in, in essence there's been a, a lot of very expensive attempts at doing that you know these designs of these chips can easily go into the hundreds of millions of dollars and you know intel has huge experience as i mean amd does is to optimizing that silicon to make it cost effective so in essence a lot of the earlier arm chips were trying to go head to head in a in an environment where the instruction set gives you a few tens of percent uh, power benefit and the ecosystem wasn't mature. So really that was, has been the landscape until the last few years.
1: So Do, just to recap a little bit, I mean, on one side, we had uh, uh, the lack of an ecosystem, okay? So major ISPs um, work with Intel directly to uh, to be supported. I mean, Microsoft and uh, and uh, Unix uh, uh, operating system and so on. Maybe the ecosystem is uh, matured with uh, you know more enterprise adoption of Linux and uh, uh, open source in general, uh, so that uh, software can be ported more easily in different uh, architecture. And on the other side, I mean, the data center was... Uh, you know, designed around uh, a single architecture, maybe to competing architecture, but very similar architecture, AMD and uh, Intel uh, CPUs mostly, uh, ju- just to, to have an idea. So that there is actually no space for a third player. This is what you're saying, right?
0: Yeah, w- what I'm saying is if you don't change, if you're trying to go head to head with something that's so uh, ingrained and accepted and mature, it's a very hard battle and i think that battle is what we've uh, seen happening until the last few years and that's why we've got you know if you like a graveyard of chip manufacturers that didn't didn't get their chips into uh, into the end customer hands now clearly you know that hasn't stopped the ecosystem maturing and it hasn't stopped the uh, larger vendors saying actually there is benefit for us taking some flexibility out of uh, the ability to use ARM. So what we're talking about there is, you know, uh, if, if, if you look at, you know, what a system looks like from OEM today, they're pretty much standard. They have some disks at the front. They have some hot CPUs with memory at the side. And you have basically a power system connecting and supporting that. That's pretty much standard architecture for everything. You want to buy a server, you buy one. And then you want two, you buy two. You know, there's nothing uh, inventive about how you can deliver and change that market, you know, as a, as a colliery, you know, you, we, we saw Intel trying to bring its architecture into the work, the environment of mobile, and it's well reported that they were spent, I think, about six billion dollars trying to do that. And again, they did it in a way that was a head 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 on competitive situation they said look our chip is just as low power as the arm one change the instruction set oh we haven't got a software ecosystem up uh, we're not actually giving you any benefit in the hardware to change and 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 really that's that was the the history of the early history i should say of our arm in servers now yeah th-
1: this is this is pretty interesting i mean uh, you are completely right so the uh, I, I never uh, look at at this problem from this point of view i mean uh, uh intel trying to do what uh, arm was and trying to do on the data center but on the mobile space so it's an interesting perspective but what changed the paradigm lately i mean uh, yeah. why now we are talking again about ARM?
0: well well what's changed is that you've start people have started to realize that actually if i adopt the current architecture i've got very little space to innovate okay Now, there's huge power problems in the data center and the innovation sort of moved off looking at ARM and it moved on to this sort of the power unit efficiency, the PUE. So how efficient can I make the delivery of my power for performance ratio? that obviously drove a lot of the consolidation into the cloud it also drove the cloud to look at new ways of cooling and the overheads that has sort of slowed down now people are basically you know in a within the single digit percentage of parity on terms of that of that ratio so they have to start saying well how can i innovate beyond now to continue this progression you know megahertz and Moore's law, as we call it in the industry, in terms of just getting something for nothing, uh, has gone as well. How do I innovate? And the answer is, well... I can't innovate if somebody's giving me a predefined, well ingrained platform. Okay, so if I all I can do is buy a chip that's got a couple of few MENME interfaces on it, lots of CPUs in it, and a PCB design that's fixed that goes into a fixed chassis, there's not a lot of space for the, for that innovation. So what we've really got now is a, or oh, have had for a few years actually, is an environment looking for innovation, and clearly, if innovation can be done from the chip design up that's what we're seeing so we've seen that initially uh, obviously the big move was the initial uh, amazon a1 instances using their initial graviton core. that basically said look there's enough ecosystem now that makes it what m- makes it worthwhile to do something and i have now the flexibility of adopting the arm architecture to build a system that looks different to what i've got and hence deliver the value propositions that are required to, to, to not go head, head-to-head with, with, with the existing uh, approach. Um, so you're saying uh, somehow that
1: uh, you know hyperscalers, big cloud providers and uh, uh, all these kind of uh, players uh, wanted a, a better architecture. I mean, uh, they started doing projects like the Open Compute Project, for example, and many other similar things. Uh, initiatives in uh, to to drive you know a change that was uh, instrumental for building their own data centers first, but actually uh, it's a, a wave of innovation that is uh, somehow um, touching uh, all the rest of the industry, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. So if you, if we look at you know the single thread improvement in the CPUs that we've had from you know. Uh, the x86 architectures, other than some really good work recently from uh, from Epic in terms of their uh, chiplet approach, the, what you get from that socket hasn't really changed. So how does a customer follow what they used to do, which is basically doubling everything every couple of years, without the flexibility to innovate. So OCP, again, great, great one that has hit basically how I can do the PUE efficiency and get that modularity, the open source hardware, I think they call it, in terms of plugging things in. That was a, that, if you like, is the infrastructural innovation area that's coming out of the the guys trying to get more for less and then obviously starting to look at well actually arm um, gives me the flexibility to do things differently let me go and either build chips assemble chips on boards differently but basically you know I, I need to innovate to be competitive i'm going to have to innovate because i need to do more and i can't afford to just keep doubling my costs every time i deliver twice as much uh, this actually makes me think about a lot of things.
1: I mean, first of all, uh, architecture is changing, as you said. Uh, there are new architecture based on different uh, uh, coprocessors or accelerators. And uh, maybe the role of the CPU uh, in the server is changing a little bit. And uh, at the same time, uh, as you said, there is a need for, for change because uh, all these guys want uh, to, to have... Uh, uh, specialized compute instances for their customers so uh instead of slicing and dicing an intel cpu maybe you can have a better use of smaller cpus that can work in parallel uh, better in parallel
0: uh, am I right, or uh, am I going well, towards the? Yeah, you're the definitely wrong hitting one of the other areas of innovation. And like I say, you know, with OCP and infrastructural innovation, system architectural innovation. Here, you're talking about basically general purpose processing and accelerator based innovation. Now, I think there's a, a pros and cons to what's happened here. That obviously the the advantages that you know specific functions, whether that's a tensor off. Offload or a GPU doing some AI, uh, you're looking at what you know you can call application-specific ac- acceleration on the existing architecture. Now, there there are some pretty interesting, long, uh, uh, researchy kind of things going on. You know, I'm, I'm also a professor at the University of Manchester here over in the UK, and uh, we 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 look specifically at the accelerator system architecture and infrastructure innovation for delivering exascale computing. Now, that actually uses ARM processors as well and accelerators. So, you know, if you like to start adopting and having all of these different avenues of acceleration, it is good and it's good for everybody. Now, the specific one that you mentioned, well, if I've got an accelerator, I don't need a CPU as big, is an interesting uh, observation, I think, for certain markets. Okay, so there are certain characteristics of certain apps that say, actually, if everything's just streaming through my processor and my host is just doing some little bits of control, why am I putting a very large hot processor next to my accelerator? And I think we see that a, a little bit uh, reinforced recently by the uh, NVIDIA ARM announcement that ARM little smaller ARM cores will be able to drive the NVIDIA, Nvidia accelerators. Okay, we see it in in some of the uh, standalone AI accelerators that they have this small arm core controlling the AI processor. But you know, if you look, go back to what data centers actually do. Some of them do a lot of AI, but there's an awful lot of general purpose still there as well. So you know, how do the general purpose apps? You know, you know the the, the you know the finding things that the web page needs to say correctly. How is that delivered? That's probably today not an accelerator. Now, longer term, yes, it's going to be a field of heterogeneous accelerators in a pool of compute. But today, the idea that uh, you, you need to innovate in acceleration, the architecture which joins that in, how does that fit uh, with the other resources of a system so you know on a very simple level let's say we've got networking storage and uh, computers three of the resources of a computer throw in acceleration there's another resource what's the architecture that pulls that together and it's probably not the traditional workstation architecture with a set of plug-in bus- buses at the back using PCI. okay and i think that's that's where the, the, you know, the next area or the innovational area that I'm, I'm focusing on uh, will come through in the next gens of products.
1: So uh, let me uh, understand better here because uh, uh, general purpose computing, and then you mentioned uh, a web server provision uh, providing uh, web pages, okay? Actually, this is a very, very um, highly parallel Kind of workload. I mean, you can you can have multiple threads running in the same server, and each one of them could be on its separate core, or even in smaller uh, compute units. Okay, inside the single core. So potentially ARM in this case is very efficient because uh, you know it's a it's very dense kind of CPU. You have you can have multiple CPUs in a single rack unit and it uh, you know you can have uh, multiple cores and they are pretty efficient at this kind of work
0: that it's not a lot of you know real computational power
1: but it's uh,
0: mm, whether or not you're trying to lead me into the value proposition of bamboo but you're exactly right so you know One of the things is having come up from the silicon side of the world is uh, an observation of a knowledge that I have on what is the energy cost of delivering a single thread of performance, okay? if you are being measured by... Benchmarks that are basically how fast can your workstation? Oh yeah, it might be called a server. Get one thing done. Uh, you're going to be pushing your implementation way up what's called a, an exponential curve in terms of your, your 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 power efficiency for that performance. Now, clearly, that is the curve that uh, uh, you know the the x86 guys have had decades uh, doing really well at. And what has been the consequences of that is that the software community, as they drive towards, you know, containerized or virtualized works, works workloads, is basically taking what has been designed as a a high performance processor and splitting it up using software to split it up and divide it down into lots of small units, which are better matched to the to the. Uh, What's called a scale out activity of a data center. So, you know, if you, for example, if you, if we look at the curve for a typical processor and you back off your implementation, even only 30% on your single thread, you can, you can more than double uh, the amount of uh, throughput you can get from uh, two devices rather than that one uh, fast device. So at that point, you know, yes, taking the flexibility of implementation choice that you have through R not going from that higher single thread, which, like I say, is, is the thing that's been measured at the moment and saying, actually, I want to do lots of threads, lots of things that are potentially not even related to each other and just answer that as a pool. So back off a little bit, lots of consequential uh, effects of that, but you still get your aggregate performance that is significantly higher than you can get using devices which basically have been tuned to give you the maximum single thread. But uh,
1: um, I don't know, I don't want to be the of gate here, but uh, if I look at the design of modern x86 servers, there is a lot of bandwidth available for the CPU, uh, you know, uh, bus, uh, uh, so RAM bus, and the, the PCI connections and everything, okay? And, uh, and this is a standard design. So what is happening in the arm field to get this kind of throughput so in this kind of uh, ethernet uh, uh, connection that are in the range of uh, 100 gigabit now so this is a massive amount of data that flows in and out from the server
0: Yeah so again to, if if you are moving your processor up the trajectory of trying to get more and more high performance processing in one space you've got to try to bring up the the interfaces around it so you know the the problem that you've got to uh, come into the physical implementation of that device. Now, the industry has just moved to a point of being able to implement eight memory controllers. Okay, historically you you had two and four cores, so you had fifty percent of a memory controller per thread. Today you're looking at devices that have sixty-four, or I think I was reading the other day, there's one that's coming out with eighty cores on it but they can only have eight memory interfaces. So there you have a tenth of a memory interface. So yes, it's a lot, but you've now got huge contention from lots of threads that in aggregate are actually getting less performance individually than they would if they were on a eight or 16 core system with four memory interfaces, which would have given them 25% of a controller each. So you know, you've know you got to look at the, the bottlenecks and the constraints that you put around That architectural approach, when actually the applications don't need it. What the applications want, if you can give them one core and half a memory controller each, and just linearly scale that up to you know a million cores, why why would you want to push your cost and basically the complexity of your solution? Because you know, supporting something that has may eight memory interfaces around it is actually quite hard to implement and very hard to cool. So that pushes the cost up of supporting that. While in essence, it doesn't deliver you your your data center workload scalability efficiently. You know, you've got software partitioning, you've got hardware contention, and you're ending up basically not being able to scale the uh, the 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 thread to memory bandwidth ratios.
1: So we talked uh, uh, about ARM architectures in general, how they fit in the modern data center. We didn't uh, talk yet about Bamboo System. So what what is the role of Bamboo System looking at this kind of paradigm? Yes.
0: Yeah, so so Bamboo uh, obviously worked with the, the the realizations that we had in terms of that scale out requirement versus the difficulty uh, that you would have if you went after a headlong, you know. <laughs> single-thread competition and said, actually, you know, especially with things like the the, the the containerization, the Lambda function, all of these ideas that software today is going very modular because that's the only way that they can build and manage very large systems is to really understand the interfaces and communication between them and deliver a platform that can, you know, do that back off of, you know, 20 30% on the design characteristic Pick up commodity ARM chips to be able to deliver that data point. So we don't need to be dependent on a high performance chip to, to deliver the equation. It then can be implemented not as a single server. So the idea that one chip or one, one NUMA chip or chip becomes the server and then it's standalone, people are not delivering data centers with one server in them so you know don't put all the support infrastructure around supporting a single chip put it around groups of chips cl- mini clusters of chips and then basically be able to use that the lowering thermal densities and then be able to deliver very high scalability and one of the things uh, we did uh, earlier in, in the life of the company was actually build you know some pilot-type platforms, uh, we put, uh, in that regard, we put 192 eight-core ARM servers, each having their uh, memory, four, well, two memory interfaces on them, in a single uh, 3U of rack space. Okay? So in aggregate, what we were seeing is that that box, that 3U box, was being able to deliver web traffic ten times uh, higher than, than the, the equivalent uh, sorry, in an equivalent space that would take 10 times of uh, using traditional solutions. So, you know, our 3U box was like 30U, so, you know, in that regard. And when we put the power meter on the wall, it was actually doing it in four times less power, okay? So for top level, how much does that level of throughput cost? All these equations that we've just been describing give you, you know, an order of magnitude on compute density, five-fold on energy consumption, because you're not actually putting full systems around every chip and using, you know, easy-to-build, cheaper chips. It's actually retailing for about a third the price as well. So all that sort of comes together, and thankfully the ecosystem has got to the point Uh, that it's very mature, it's available, uh, fully supported from all the main distributions. About the only space that I would say doesn't exist on ARM at the moment is the enterprise back office apps, okay? But if you're running your typical cloud stuff or any of the utility functions, any of your frameworks for containers, virtual machines, OpenStack, that's all available and uh, commercially supportable uh, on the ARM platform today.
1: So the market uh, is uh, clearly... Uh, all these uh, uh, cloud providers or any web uh, scale kind of company that doesn't have the power to build uh, its own system, like Amazon, Microsoft, and maybe Google can do. And, uh, and uh, at the same time, maybe there is a, a space for this kind of system in large enterprises that need a specialized uh,
0: system, also at the edge could be a- another great use case, right? Exactly right. So what 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 what's typically called the small data center, okay, whether that's in enterprise or it's a satellite to the large guys, the idea that, you know, you can deliver this level of efficiency, power gains uh, at the edge. Now, the other thing that the, the architecture that Bamboo has is we actually start integrating and we've changed the way we deliver storage as well. So the similar kind of rules that I was describing – Uh, have been applied to the distributed storage pool as well so again that's offloaded on hardware it's using hardware accelerators as we were describing accelerated architectures earlier uh, to to basically deliver you know the security aspects offloaded the networks uh, sdns the uh, software defined network offload and the storage offload within that uh, high density cabinet as well so that, again, as you say, makes it very applicable and unsupp- supportable and manageable for edge deployments. So the idea that it's all contained, it's all centrally manageable, makes it very, uh, you know, good for the small data center and the guys that want to, you know, not, you know, have the use cases that are dependent on low latency, high bandwidth that that basically the cloud struggles to deliver.
1: So uh, I uh, do, do you think that... Uh this kind of architecture is good only for uh, you know large installations at the end of the day or uh, is there uh, you know space room also for uh, a smaller organization that want to start with a different architecture and maybe as we said at the edge so not 100 to, in, Sorry, not one hundred ninety-two uh, processor units. But maybe a few for uh, uh, an offshore platform, I mean, but um, yeah. while keeping the same identical, you know, s- software stack.
0: Yeah, So, so like, like you summarize there, the software stack has to be the same in both uh, the big systems and the small systems. You know, what is small becomes a question. If it's just a single operating system instance, a single node, then clearly you don't get the the throughput benefits here and this is what the embedded cards do anyway but a big problem with those embedded cards at the edge is they're not very manageable okay so if you think you've got you know more than a few and what i mean is sort of 8 16 20 of those embedded boards at the edge very unmanageable Let's put them in a managed central solution, give you that familiar environment for them, great to get going. So really your break-even point is probably when you reach sort of the 8 to 16 nodes. Uh, So we have that kind of break-even point uh, in terms of uh, you start to really need the management capabilities the scalability, power efficiency start kicking in as well at that point. And then the well, other sixteen is not a lot anyway. And uh, if you
1: can, uh, you know, run uh, like a Kubernetes environment on top of it with your containers and, uh, you know, so application are really portable and everything, it becomes really manageable if you have a, an ecosystem of this system uh, distributed across the world and maybe with a federated Kubernetes. I know we are talking about the future here, but but actually uh, it could become a very, very powerful uh, uh, infrastructure.
0: Yes, and you're right on the federated, or whether it's federated or just heterogeneous in terms of a single vendor's deployment, the idea that you can put your Kubernetes container workers where they need to be, Manage them centrally and remotely, potentially using a larger cluster of machines in the cloud. It becomes a, a great sort of uh, add-on to enable the the new scenarios at the edge.
1: It's a really, really interesting uh, conversation that we had. And uh, to wrap up the episode, maybe you can give us a, a little bit more information about Bamboo Systems. So, where we can find the website, and if there is any. Other social media uh, channel where we can find uh, uh, and in uh, and start a conversation with Bamboo.
0: Yeah, so a lot of the 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 uh, conceptual aspects of the solution, uh, we, we we went through a branding rechange name. But if you were to search my name Goodacre and Kaleo, you'll find a lot of uh, uh, articles and things that describe these concepts that we've covered today. Uh, in terms of products from Bamboo, we will be announcing uh, the first of those products uh, in the middle of next month. So the website today is a little sparse on what you can buy, but you know, it does say keep in touch. So anybody interested in deploying uh, what basically is the, the highest density, le- highest processing efficiency, easily manageable system for your small data centers and edge deployments, get in touch.
1: Very good. John, thank you again for your time today. It was a very, very interesting conversation and I hope uh, that we will get an uh, update from Bamboo soon with, uh, with this uh, product launch and maybe we'll record uh, another uh, episode then.
0: I think that'd be great. You know, We'll come back with some numbers and some uh, uh, product details as well with you. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices and Data Storage, please check out the other ones. Unstructured data management is the focus of a report Enrico wrote for GigaOm Research. To find out more about how data storage is evolving in the cloud era, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOm Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.